Jesus, Jesus, we rest, we rest in your affection, we rest in your love, we rest in what you have completed for us, we rest, Jesus, that because of you, we are perfectly right with our Heavenly Father, perfectly right with your glorious Spirit dwelling in us. We have everything we need. You've left nothing to chance. Just come touch us even deeper, Lord. That's what we need more than anything. We need a deep touch from you. We need that, God. That deep, deep assurance. That all is well. It is well with our soul. It is well. It is well. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So we even, even with what, what Dano taught earlier, we, I just want to speak, you know, have us speak to our minds, to our minds to be still be at rest be at peace and we're saying to our spirits who are in direct connection with god's spirit we're saying to our spirit rise up spirit within us rise up and lead the way and and mind you can rest in that and follow follow the leading of our spirit who's listening to holy spirit because we are sons and daughters. We're not orphans. We're sons and daughters who walk by the Spirit. <laughs> we do hear your voice, Jesus. Ah. <laughs> Lord, I'm just asking right now that also that you would take the pressure off this, especially of the performance mindset that we can get into. Even if we don't think we're religious, we can even just talking about healing, we can jump back into performance mindsets. So Lord, lift all that off of us. Would you help us to enjoy the journey? Enjoy your heart. Enjoy how much you enjoy us. <laughs> Enjoy who we're with. Enjoy what we're doing with you. Pressure is off. The performance is off. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Freedom. <laughs> And Jesus, somewhere I read that you did not uh, break off this yoke of slavery and give us freedom just so we could go back into slavery. So we're choosing not to go there. We say yes to your freedom. Yes to our freedom in Christ. Amen. Amen. 
That felt good. <laughs> we just we just have such an exceptionally good papa. I don't know if you've all quite figured this out yet, but it's his intention that you actually enjoy life. I'm not saying every minute of life is enjoyable as far as the <laughs> how it all feels in the moment, but he actually wants you to really enjoy your life with him. So you have his permission to do that. You also have his permission to honor one of his beloved sons, Bill Dew. <laughs> how was that for a quick last yeah, transition? This is the first time I've faced y'all. I didn't even know who was here. When Brent told us years ago that he was naming the church Blazing Fire, I thought, what a silly name. 
I couldn't, re- I couldn't relate to that. Boy, was I wrong. Well, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in this afternoon session to change hearts and minds and to release us into the anointing that you have called us into. And we just say, Holy Spirit, come and fall in this room and have your way. That we would be changed forevermore. That you would release an anointing for healing. So that we change the culture, we change the world. That you would give us a boldness like John and Peter had. No. This is not my fault. But it could do a world of good. We know that laughter is healing.
Yes, this will be on YouTube. What do you do when you get a man down? You kick him some more. Uh, this is about impartation. That you would catch an anointing. Somebody asked John Wimber, who established the vineyard all those years ago, about the manifestations of the Spirit. This was before Toronto ever happened. And he, he said, I don't, I don't care what they do. They can swing from the chandeliers as long as they're more in love with Jesus and more willing to do what he says to do. It's not about the manifestations. It's not about the laughing, shaking, crying, falling, etc., etc. It's about what is God doing with you so that you start to change the world. And I, we know that this church and many other churches that are represented here are carrying the message of God's love. I'm, I'm glad that was so well received.
I'm, I'm so glad I don't have something profound to teach this afternoon. Let me just talk to you a little bit while this is going on. Carol said I could explain what's going on. I know this looks pretty wild. That is not going on Facebook or YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think she's agreeing. Um, this can look very strange. But many times it's when God is getting you out of your comfort zone so he can work in you so that you get out of your mind like Dano was talking about this morning. <laughs> many of you are out of your minds. If you took a snapshot and showed it to someone, they might be tempted to say, that isn't God. It was like the woman in Colombia that I prayed for. She literally got up feeling like hot wax had been poured on her hands and she ran around the room screaming and ended up pouring two ice water pitchers on her head because she said it hurt. It physically hurt. And for six days, as the team ministered in the church, at the end I asked the pastors, so what was that all about? That was strange looking. That was weird looking. I wasn't sure if that was God. They said the same thing. We're not sure if that was God either, but we watched her for six days. We've never seen her prophesy more accurately. We've never seen her love people more. We've never seen more people healed when she prayed. It was God. It happened in the midst of something like this. The other extreme is a woman named Dagmar who came to catch the fire in Toronto with eight other people from Germany. And uh, they wanted me to pray for them, so I did. All eight went down under the power of God. I got to Dagmar, and she stood like that oak of righteousness. She didn't flutter. Eyelids didn't flutter. She didn't get, you know, rosy cheeked. She, she didn't wobble. She, did, she, she didn't do anything. So finally, I just had her lay down on the ground, and I had two of the prayer team members soak her. I came back and I said, you feel anything? No. God's love pouring into your heart? No. And then the Lord whispered and said, she's a carrier of my glory. 
So I got her up and I had her pray for two other women and they both went down instantly, shaking violently as soon as she touched her finger to their palm. Then I left and these two ladies' friends come up. She had a physical need. Oh, you got to get this girl to pray for you. So she prayed and she was healed. The next day, Dagmar met me as I came into the meeting. And she said, you know, when... When we were coming over here from Germany, my friends told me, he said, I don't know why you're going to this conference. God can't use you. You don't feel anything. He says, now I know. I'm a carrier of His glory. I'm going to go back to Germany and lay hands on everything that moves. Um... I kind of, I really did mean it. It's a good thing I, I don't have something profound to teach. <laughs> um, Dano was dropping nuggets like, um, like Bill Johnson does. Uh, it's just incredible teaching. I mean, it's things that we know and we've learned and we've lived, but it's like I've never heard it articulated quite so well. And, and Carol's teaching... Carol's teaching just blows me away, and I've got a CD um, out there called Prayer Ministry Clinic. We, uh, we did a, a, a thing. Every year we're on the board of the river, which is the licensing and ordaining uh, a part of um, a Global Legacy. And uh, we, in February every year we meet at Rich Oliver's Church uh, in the Sacramento area, and um, Bill Johnson comes down and we, we, we do the Friday night meeting and then um, we, we lay hands on all the new people coming in to be licensed and ordained. And um, about a year and a half ago or so, we were there. Uh, places packed out. It was the first uh, time they were in their new building in Roseville. And 600 plus people and, and um, Bill is speaking and, and the huge majority, a lot of the people, I, I won't say huge majority, maybe 60%. 60% of the people were brand new. They had never heard Bill Johnson or he was relatively new to them. And he's just speaking. He's t- telling things that, that we've heard a lot. And uh, they are I'm all over the room I'm hearing, wow, wow. I know what they're saying, like, wow, I've never heard anything like that. I told Carol on the drive back to Vacaville, we were staying there um, over the weekend. I said, you know, nobody's ever said, wow. To my revelation. But, but they do say wow to my stories. And that's okay with me. We, we learned yesterday from Carol's teaching. You know, don't compare yourself to someone else. I so want to teach like Bill Johnson. Now I want to teach like Dano. That's not who I am. My, my encouragement to you this afternoon is to tell a little bit of my story so that you can go, oh, wow, if God can use him, I know he can use me. Because I, I come out of that. I'm not seminary trained. I, I, I wasn't a Christian like all my life. I've only been a Christian now for 20 years. I didn't believe in any of this stuff. I, I was in a mainline church and, and, I, and, and I was unsaved. And, and I didn't read my Bible. I didn't even have a Bible. In the Presbyterian church, you don't have to because they put one in the pew in front of you um, on the back of the, of the seat. 
Um, so I didn't, I didn't read the Bible. I, I wasn't church. I didn't grow up in a church family. Um, and I didn't believe in, in any of this stuff. I, I, I didn't believe that if, if the church didn't have the name Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, or, or Episcopal, it wasn't a real church. Carol took me one time to a church. This is actually we had moved out to Redlands. Um, and she took me to a church, and I don't know what it was called, but it was something, something Reformed Church. And I kept looking, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. No, 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 no. It's just an independent, blah, 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 Reformed church. And I'm, I'm thinking all the time, I've got to get out of here. This is not a real church. I mean, I, I know I led, led such a sheltered life. Um, so I didn't even believe in this. And then 1 Samuel 10, 6 came real in my life. January, uh, uh, March 31st, 1992, uh, God ambushed me, sort of tricked me in a way to going to a prayer meeting, and for three hours, he encountered me, and I encountered him. And all that sin, all that stuff that I was wrapped up in was literally taken off of me. And, and I knew that I knew that I knew that everything Carol had been trying to tell me was true, that you can't have a relationship with Jesus that is alive and he heals today. That speaking in tongues is biblical. That there is such a thing as the enemy. I, I never was taught any of that. And I never saw it on TV. I, I never saw any of that kind of stuff. Even the really weird stuff. I, I, I mean, I knew there were some weird religions that handle snakes and things like that. But, but I, I had no context. I'd never seen anything like that. And I'd never been in a Pentecostal charismatic church. I'd never had that experience. And then that night... This kind of stuff was happening and more. And, and God impacted me when I got up to the floor, off the floor. I knew that it was all real and it didn't scare me. And that night, as Carol has talked about, I prayed for her. It was the first time I'd ever prayed for anybody in my life. And she got healed. And God literally set me on like a rocket ship. I saw the effect sovereignly of God anointing me and many others in that room. And I saw the effect of the laying on of hands. That's right. And, and so I, I believe in the impartation of the gifts, and that, that's really what I'm going for. But I, I thought what I would do is just share for a couple of minutes. I'm really not going to speak long because what, what we really want to do and what you really want is get hands laid on you and mess you up. I, I keep holding on to... This, that there can be such a change in your life. And yes, you may have been to many meetings. You may have had hands laid on you many times. But it's that next time that just may activate exactly what God has destined for you. So I, I showed the picture Thursday night of Alicia uh, in Australia. A month ago, we laid hands on her, prophesied over her, just as it says in Scripture. And she went out the next day. She, she told me, she's 21 years old. She had prayed for people before for healing, and nobody had gotten healed. And she had gotten very discouraged, so she quit. You know, that, that's a, 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 frankly, that's a common reaction. I understand it. It's not the right reaction, but it's a common reaction. If you keep butting your head against the wall, sooner or later, you're probably going to quit. And, 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 and go find, like Carol's, you know, I, I'll just go find where God has me for something else, but I, but I won't press into that because it hurts. But see, many times God is finding out, can he entrust you with what he wants to entrust to you? And it's a matter of pressing in. The, when John Wimber, 
had the revelation. Matthew 10, 7 and 8, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Well, God, we're not doing that. And God says, maybe you should. And he started going after it. The whole church started going after it. The Anaheim Vineyard, which was a very large church. For, uh, you know, there's been varying uh, 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 thoughts on the exact time. It's somewhere between 10 months and a year. Okay, 10 to 12 months. They went for it. They prayed for the sick every time they had a chance. And nobody got healed. Nobody. How easy would it have been to quit and say, well, I guess we just missed that one. When Randy Clark prophesied over Heidi Baker... You're going to see thousands of churches and thousands of orphans and you're going to see the dead raised and the blind are going to see and the deaf are going to hear. And she went back and she believed that and she prophesied it to her 14 leaders and they started seeing it. There were, I mean, look how many churches have been raised up. Oh my gosh. I mean, the last number we heard is well over 10,000 and orphans. I mean, just thousands upon orphans and, and the dead being raised and the blind seeing and the deaf hearing and for a solid year she's praying for the blind and not one gets healed. Not one. How easy would it have been to have said, well, you know, Randy was right about all those other things and we're standing on those promises, but, you know, sometimes we see in part, we don't always get it, and, and maybe he just missed it on that one. How easy would it have been to have quit? But she didn't. She kept on praying. And when she got the breakthrough, interestingly, the first three people who were blind that she prayed for were all named Heidi. Yeah. I believe with all my heart, I, 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 I can't prove this until I get to heaven, I guess, but you see, right then, I believe God was putting in her heart, I've got an assignment for you. If I just make it all so easy for you, how much will you press in? Because I've got a really big assignment. What he knew was that there was a group who was evangelizing an unreached people group, a tribe in Africa. They had been there for like 20 or 25 years, and it had only seen like a handful of converts. And finally, they gave up and said, this people group is unreachable. And the Lord starts speaking to Heidi, do you want that tribe? Yes, I want that tribe. And so they would go into these Muslim tribes and, you know, big village. And there'd be a thousand people there at the first night meeting. And she'd say, bring me the demonized, the most demonized in, in your village. Bring me the blind, bring me the deaf. And those are the ones she'd start with. And when they get healed... The next night, 10,000 people would be there. God was seeing, can I trust you with what I'm about to entrust to you? What, what's real on, on your heart? And, and now they're, they're seeing these Muslim villages come to the Lord in record numbers. So I believe in the, in the power of laying on of hands and of prophecy and stirring up that anointing that's within you. So I was at that meeting... And I got touched by God. I, I, I saw the, the power of the anointing there. And I just started going after it. I, I, I went just bonkers for healing. I started going to meetings. and I, I was a very successful businessman. And, and I was still doing real estate at the time. Um, then within two years, by 94, I had quit that. And I was trading mutual funds for my, my own account. And, and so I was making a living there. And uh, through a long series of events that God made that very clear that that was not the route I was supposed to be going because the, the investing became trading and the trading became gambling, basically. And, and um, he took me out of that. And um, you know, our marriage went through a, a rough period, and you heard yesterday it, it got healed. And, and then God had to deal with that spirit of mammon on me. All the while, I'm going after 
healing. I'm going after the impartation of the gifts. I'm hungry. And I kept seeing, I kept seeing a change. Now, what I want to do is just encourage you with a story of how you keep pressing in and and, and literally, that, that if God could use me, I mean, it, it is just so easy to look at somebody like Carol and, 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 and Dano and, and, and many others and just say, I, you know, I, I couldn't measure up to that. But I think my story is one that you'll, you'll say, yeah, I can measure up to that. <laughs> just being real. And, and so maybe if I just tell some of my foibles that you'll, you'll relate to that. Well, I was just... I was hungry. I, 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 I just was hungry, and all I knew was to press in, even if it didn't make any sense. And you probably have gotten the idea that, that you know, I am a left-brain analytical for the most part. And, and so I, my whole thing was, but God, this doesn't make any sense. So I'm, I, I get taken out of trying to make money by trading mutual funds. Now there's no money coming in, and it's all going out. We're tithing. We're making offerings. We're helping support our daughter. We're paying bills. Uh, we've sold and cashed in everything we own. All the stuff that I had accumulated as a successful bus- businessman, the shopping centers and the, the buildings and the IRAs and the money in the bank and all that stuff, we cashed that all in so that I had money to trade. Now I'm no longer trading. I'm only writing checks going out, and we've lost a lot of money in the trading to get to the place of God's finally getting it through to me This is not the way I want you going, son. So he's dealing with that spirit of mammon on me. In the meantime, I'm praying for people. And I've got something in my heart. Within 30 days of being touched by God, I had three different prophecies from three different people who did not know me, did not know each other, did not know that each had prophesied the same thing over me. And basically it was that I would be involved in a healing ministry. And and I felt like God spoke to me in that 30-day period. Very clearly. He spoke to me that night and then he continued to speak to me in my spirit. And basically he was saying, I'm giving you a mandate. Heal the sick. Teach others to heal the sick. And impart to them what happened to you. I really believe that... See, this is a common, this is a common thing that happens when I get up to speak. It, it, the, the place just goes bananas. It, it just goes... People just seem to go out of their minds. Now I know. I understand now. Sort of. In part to me, because what what happened to me that night was violent. I want you to know I shaked and baked violently. I, I, I do have feelings. It's just not the way he deals with me so much today. But back then, I have had some encounters that were violent, such that as this sweet lady prayed for me, I, I finally I couldn't stand up any longer. I do, did one of these. Because the heaviness, the presence of God was so strong. And so finally I said, can I just lay down on the floor? And, and she said, yeah. And so she's praying over me, and, and, and she's praying sweet, gentle prayers. Oh, God, let your love just fill him and, and let your power come. And then she would pray in tongues. And it was like you put those paddles on to revive the dead. My body came off the ground. The whole body. You cannot do it. You can, you can bring your 
upper torso off the ground, you can bring your bottom torso, but you can't do it all at once. Well, I, I did. I did. Ten times. I believe there was further deliverance going on, and there was an empowering. So that, that's, that's why I, I believe in that impartation, and it can be violent. He was setting me up for a course, because over the next couple of years, as the money is going out, we're seeing miracles. I'm praying for people. I'm seeing cancer healed. I'm, I'm getting on prayer teams. I'm going everywhere I can go. I'm getting under anybody's hand that I feel like has some anointing. I'm going to the Anaheim Vineyard. I'm getting under John Wimber's hand. I'm getting under the guest speakers like Bonnie and Mahesh Shavda. I'm getting under uh, people. Uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, uh, serving as the, the, the prayer team leader. Carol and I were serving in a Francis and Judith McNutt um, conference in San Diego two years in a row. Actually, it was a, primarily a, a conference of Catholics and and uh, they, we had about 10 Protestants, and so I became the token uh, uh, master of ceremonies one day um, so, that I, so that I would introduce everyone, the speakers and stuff. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting under, and, and I kept seeing things change. Even though the money's going out, even though I'm saying, God, I don't understand, this doesn't make any sense. I just kept pressing forward. I kept going. I, I kept, I, I, I started at point A, I'm looking at point Z. I'm not sure what that's going to be, but God, you're telling me, heal the sick, teach others to heal the sick, and impart to them, how's this going to happen in my little church that now we're a part of, a vineyard down in San Diego with the prayer team leaders, but nobody else knows who we are. We're just little guys in a little church in San Diego. And, and, and I see something way out here. Nobody's prophesied that I'm going to go to the nations. Nobody's prophesied that I'm going to lead meetings of, of thousands and thousands of people. I just see something out there that's more than what I started at at point A. And then there's times when there's detours. And it's like, I'm detoured over here. I'm not even facing in the right direction. Z is back there. God, what are you doing? And that's when he would take me into the greatest miracles. I, would, I, I went back to work at one point, and, and I, I became friends with a guy that when I was there in the office for all those years, he was in another division. We were not friends because we didn't relate to each other. We didn't do deals together. But for whatever reason, well, I know what reason, we became friends during that two-month period that I went back to work. And finally, I, there was just so much prayer ministry going on, and I just couldn't do the work anymore. Rob understands. Rob called him out of a plumbing job because he just had to go to the nations. But interestingly, after I left that work, I got a call one day. This guy had developed a brain tumor that had moved down into his nose, and it had gotten infected. And the doctors were saying, we're not sure which is going to kill you first, the brain tumor, the infection, or the fact that because you have the infection, we can't operate yet. And if we don't operate, you will die. I got to pray for him, and he was healed, totally healed. God may detour you every once in a while, but he's got a plan for you. I kept pressing in, and every month, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Finally, we went to a meeting in March of 98, Rodney Howard Brown came to San Diego. It was the first time we had ever encountered him. Um, at that time, he had a mandate to teach on giving, and he would preach for 30 to 45 minutes on giving and then take the offering. 
very, very offensive to, to many people, particularly if you had a poverty mindset. It was revolutionary teaching for us. And he said something. He said, if you want to see revival in your life, sow into revival. It was the greatest thing that ever happened. I'm going to suggest to you that there are some ministries that you ought to be looking at that produce good fruit. Blazing fire produces good fruit. There's probably missionaries out of this church, ministries out of this church producing good fruit. Dano's ministry produces good fruit. Rob, there would be a chance to sow into his ministry. Many others. We sow into a prison ministry and a ministry in Africa faithfully every month. But when I heard Rodney Howard Brown say that, I said, I believe in revival and I want to see revival in my life. So I picked two ministries to be able to sow into. I picked Rodney's, uh, Rodney Howard Brown's ministry because I felt like there was fruit coming from that ministry. And then I said, I, I, I want to pick one more. I've, I've been in a couple of meetings with this guy named Randy Clark. I, I, I know about the Toronto blessing. I believe in that. I like his down-home style. I like his healing anointing. Obviously, if I'm interested in healing, you would think I would be interested in his ministry, even though I'd never met him. I'd been in some meetings, and I said, I'm going to sow into that ministry. So we started in, in uh, late March sowing into that ministry. By, by June, we found out that Randy was going to be in Vacaville for a week. He had been the previous month in Redding, Vacaville, and um, a, a suburb of Sacramento. Those three churches, those three pastors are all friends, been friends for years. And he had such powerful meetings that when he decided to come back in June of 98 to do one week of meetings, he decided to go to one place. And he, he chose Vacaville. And my mindset was, I don't have any money, and I've now determined that I have enough money to last us until September 1st. If no more money comes in, if nothing changes in our financial picture, we're broke, and we have nothing left to sell. We have no property, we have no house, we have no IRAs, we've cashed everything in. It was driving me crazy. And I'm thinking, I, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to have to stay in a, mo, a, a hotel. And, and I'm used to staying in nice things. But because of that, I figured, okay, you've got to stay in Motel 6. That, you know, pride goes before a fall. That was hard. I've got to be honest with you. That was hard. And I'm thinking, I'll just go up there for five days, but I've got to go. I, I, I even had gone to work at a residential real estate office undergoing some training for two days. And then finally, I just I couldn't go back. I just couldn't do it. And I'm think, I'm just driving me crazy. This doesn't make any sense. You've got to go get a job. You've got to provide for your family. It was bad enough when you at least still had some money. Now you don't have anything and you're getting ready to be broke. And you've never been in that place before. Not like that. And yet, I'm seeing miracles. And I figured if I could just get on the ministry team, Maybe something would rub off and I could bring it back to our church in San Diego. And maybe it would affect, because we were the renewal center for San Diego at that time. Maybe it would affect the region and other churches. That was my sole motivation. So I go. And that, uh, that Monday night, the prayer team guy, guy who was leading the prayer teams for the church there in Vacaville, um, as we're walking out of the building, it's 1130 at night, I'm headed back to Motel 6. And he comes up, and I think he had misunderstood my relationship I, I, because I, had, I was supposed to have gone on a trip, and I had been to a training under Global Awakening. That's Randy's ministry. I had been to training to learn about deliverance from Pablo Batari, and I'd served 
on the ministry team at a conference. Now, here again, I'd never met Randy, but I'd been under those meetings. I think he misunderstood whatever relationship I had with Global Awakening. He thought I was part of that. And so he said, uh, we're all going back to Pastor Dave's house. Would you like to come? Motel 6. Pastor's house with Randy and the leaders. Yeah, I guess I could come. Now, I didn't find this out until a couple of years later, but Randy's standing there with Dave Crone. Okay, and that's your daughter. That's one of your sons. That's your pastor of prayer. That's your finance guy. And the little bald-headed guy is... And Dave says, we don't know who he is. We thought he was with you. <laughs> Randy says, I don't know who he is. I thought he was one of yours. I wasn't supposed to be there. But God knew. And we would stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning, every morning telling God stories. I was getting so encouraged. Well, through a series of events, very sheepishly, Dave Crone comes to me one, one day and says, you know, you're here for the week and you seem to want to be here. And Randy's been invited to go do this meeting over in Napa and we don't have anybody to drive him. Would you, would you consider taking him over there? And, and I'm literally thinking I'd probably have to take him to lunch. I've got to drive him to Napa. It's about an hour. I'd have to be in the meeting with him. I'd drive him back. I'd have to take him to dinner and then I'd be in the night meeting. Yeah, I guess I can. I'm no fool. Now, I know many of you have heard me tell this story, but there's some of you new. I, I just wanted to be under the umbrella of the anointing. I just wanted to catch whatever might rub off. Now I've got him in my car. Something's got to rub off. And so there were occasions when I reached over into the glove box, not because I needed anything, but when I did, I had to rub up against him. Yeah, I was that desperate. Do you know that I, I literally saw an increase in the anointing from that week of meetings? When we went back, I had great hopes that something would come from that. I, I had been scheduled to go on a trip, even though I'd never met Randy prior to that. I'd been scheduled to go on a trip. The trip got, got canceled. And I wanted to go on a trip. So I told Randy, I said, you know, if you have any other trips coming up, um, I'd like to go. I didn't tell him I didn't have any money. But. And he said, I'll forget all of this, but write a letter to my secretary. So I wrote a letter, and I... You know, Carol had come up for that weekend. Uh, she wasn't there for the first few days, but then she came up for the weekend. And, 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 and the Lord spoke very clear to me. I was only going to go for five days, and the Lord said, don't be in a hurry to leave. He knew something, like he usually does. <laughs> and she came up, and as we're taking Randy back to the hotel about 3 o'clock on now Monday morning, Meetings are all over, and he turns and he says, oh, and by the way, are you detail-oriented? And the dutiful wife steps in and says, well, yeah, he was a commercial real estate agent. He handled thousands of deals and millions of dollars, and he's detail-oriented and organized, blah, 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 you know, all those kind of things. And it, and, and it was like, I mean, we talked about it all the way driving you know, eight hours back to San Diego. What was he thinking? Was God speaking to him? Is there any chance that maybe he would call him? Because, see, he needed a keeper. He, he had had a couple traveling with him that handled all the administrative stuff. 
and, and they had to leave. And now he's mentoring this 18-year-old kid. And the 18-year-old kid is every bit as right-brained as Randy is. Uh, they literally needed a keeper. And, and we're thinking, you know, is there any chance that he, I mean, was he think? what well, was God speaking? I mean, we're literally going through that. And then a month passes, and we don't hear anything. You know, sometimes it's like God is, is saying, will you stay faithful in this? Will you stay faithful? And then one night we came back from a conference, and there was a phone call there from Randy. Hey, Bill, this is Randy. Just on my way to South Africa, and just thought I'd talk to you. See if maybe you wanted to travel with me for a year. So he ended up traveling with Randy Clark. No promises, no, we're going to be part of his ministry, we're going to be this and that and the other after we finished, you know, I was going to travel for a year. It ended up being close to a year and a half. And then Randy commissioned us, if you will, sent us out. And we wondered, is there going to be that same kind of anointing on us as Randy? I mean, we saw people get empowered. We saw people get changed and transformed when Randy prayed for them. And under that umbrella, that anointing, we saw it when we prayed for people. Lives changed and, tra- and just totally transformed. On fire for God. Moving in a higher anointing. We saw that over and over and over. But that's under his umbrella. And it happened when he did it. What's going to happen when we're out? We're doing a meeting in San Diego uh, shortly after we got released into our own ministry. And we're at a four-square church. We're meeting on a Friday night, all day Saturday. And then uh, we were through. We weren't going to speak on that Saturday night or or Sunday morning. And so Carol prays for this side of the room. I pray for this side of the room. And I'm standing over here and people have gotten touched. And there's a woman here. She's, She's the church secretary. She never prayed for anybody in her life. She's at this prayer ministry training. She's wearing a, a badge that says prayer ministry. And she's on the floor because Carol's prayed for her. She starts to sit up and I just went, take more. And she told us, she told us later, said it felt like something went in her. She boom, back down on the floor. Well, she went home to check on her husband who was not feeling well. Gets there about 5 o'clock, finds him on the floor, passed out, heavy fever. Gets him in the car, takes him to the emergency room. Doctor walks in, sees the prayer bed, says, if you believe in prayer, now would be a good time because his fever is really high and I'm concerned. Instantly, oil forms on her hand. She lays hands on him. Within a minute, his fever's down to normal and he's like, why am I here? Now, it was one of those emergency rooms where they have the little stalls with the curtains. So somebody's in the next stall, and they hear this. We heard you praying. Could you come over and pray for our uncle? Our uncle is dying of cancer. They've already had to amputate his legs at the knees. They don't expect him to make, make it through the night. Now, what they were really saying was, you know, can you just come over and say a prayer? It's kind of like last rites. And, and so she, she did. She went over and prayed. Now, she's never prayed for anybody in her life. She went over and prayed, and we don't know what happened to that guy other than he flew back to Ohio three days later. Somebody else heard her praying. Oh, uh, we heard you praying. Could you, could you come? Oh, uh, we heard you. Pray. Our uncle is, well, could you hurt my brother? Could you, could you pray? We heard you praying. She got there at 5.30 in the afternoon. She left at 5 in the morning. She prayed for 20 people. She led five to the Lord and five were significantly healed. 
we were doing, we used to have the Friday night meetings at, at Vacaville to mission. And um, I was doing a Friday night mission, and, uh, a meeting, and, and I, I wanted everybody to understand that, you know, it's not just the leader. God wants to move through each and every one of us. It's the power of God. So there were two uh, uh, women in the, in the congregation, so I called them up and I said, under my supervision, would, would you like to pray for some people? Yeah. So they, uh, one was named Jenny, and I don't know what the other name was, and they both prayed for people, and they fell out under the power of the Spirit. The other lady went back to her seat. We went into ministry. Jenny started following me, watching what I was doing. So then I got her involved. You see, that's really what you see in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. In other words, Jesus is saying, guys, you know how I brought you alongside of me? And we did show and tell, and you did it too. I want you to go and make a disciple, bring them alongside of you, and teach them what to do. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. It, it, it said that there are like 49 commands in the Bible. And some of those commands are heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. So in other words, he's saying, teach them to do what I taught you to do. So she's alongside of me. Okay, now you do it. She starts to lay hands on people. They just get slain in the spirit. So we start praying for healing. And once again, she's right with me. She's like that little puppy dog. She's hungry. I found out later she had been in, in church for 15 years, but she had never prayed for anybody in her life. Not because she didn't believe in it, it's because nobody ever gave her an opportunity. You see, that's one of the things about this move of God that's so important. It is literally about the priesthood of all believers. We, we owe such a gratitude of, of, uh, of debt uh, to, to a debt of gratitude, not an attitude of regret, whatever. <laughs> now, see, right there, that ought to encourage you. The guy can't even talk. We owe John Wimber, who brought back the priesthood of all believers, that we all get to do the stuff. And, and this move of God that started in Toronto about the love of God is the same thing. It's, it's all about that we get to do the stuff. It's not just for the pastor and a few leaders. And it's not about right here at the altar. It's about out there, which this church was birthed in meeting at that Hacienda Plaza, prophesying over people and, and then, and then uh, leading people to the Lord and lots of healings. That's what this church has been about. And that's what churches all over the world, that's treasure hunts and stuff like that. It's about taking the presence of God into the marketplace wherever you go, armed and dangerous 24-7. That's what he wants from us. So that when you encounter that coworker who comes in saying, I, I hurt myself playing tennis this weekend or I hurt myself playing softball, you don't say, well, you know, there's a healing evangelist coming into blazing fire in a couple of weeks. Hold on till you can get there. Or, you know, drive a couple of hours up to Reading. Uh, they, they, they pray for the sick. No, you get to pray right there on the spot. You've caught an anointing and you let it go. I think that's an amen. So Jenny, so Jenny prays for people, they get healed. Within nine months, she had joined uh, Bob Johnson's ministry, going to the streets of San Francisco every Friday night. A group from our church would go down to San Francisco and minister, along with lots of others from the Bay Area, to uh, the transvestites, the prostitutes, the homeless people. And she became friends with a woman named Kitty. And she goes one Friday night, and Kitty is on the concrete, dead. No pulse, blue, 
cold, no life, no vital signs. People say sometimes, well, you know, how did you really know they were dead? They were blue, there was no breath, there were no vital signs. Come on, that, that's, that spirit of suspicion, that skeptical, critical attitude. Come on, she was dead. And Jenny spoke life and raised her to life. You've heard me talk of Leisha in Australia um, a month ago. We prayed and prophesied over her. She went out the next day. She didn't pick on the easy things. She didn't pick on somebody's headache. Four women in wheelchairs she encountered along the way. And one came out of the wheelchair. One came out of the wheelchair and walked away. You saw the picture that I showed um, Thursday night. The gal in Denmark. I saw a healing anointing on her. I don't know what that... I, I cannot describe it. I, I, I see such a strong healing anointing on you. Um, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, you don't necessarily know it, but I see it. But I could not tell you to describe it to somebody else what I see. What I, but I know that I know that I know there's strong healing anointing on you. I see it on actually many of you. I see that God is ready to promote you, to take you to a new, another level. I saw it on her, and so I prayed, and I prophesied over her. I, I, I prayed every chance I got, and I prophesied over her. And, and then I found out later, and she shook like crazy, vibrated on the floor. And then I, I found out she used to pray for the sick. Nobody got healed. She got discouraged, and she quit. And she heard me say, don't tell me healing doesn't work until you've prayed for a hundred people. Because if you pray for a hundred people, somebody will get healed and you'll get hooked. Can he trust you with what he wants to entrust to you? And if you were here whenever I told that story, you know that she ended up praying for her best friend who was pregnant. And the doctors were saying all the tests show the baby has Down syndrome, will be born with Down syndrome. She laid hands and prayed as one of her hundred. And when she went back the next week for her regular checkup, there was no Down syndrome. I, I want to. Yeah. So, there's a biblical principle. God can sovereignly anoint you, and he does it through the laying on of hands. In Numbers chapter 11, God says, I'm going to take some of the spirit on you, Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. You have the story of Elijah and Elisha. 
Elisha says, I want a double portion of your anointing. Elisha says, if you see me when I'm taken up, you can have it. You, you just know they never were apart from that moment on because Elisha couldn't, he couldn't risk what if he's taken when I'm not there because he had to go to the bathroom. So he's right there. I'm not going to look, but dude, I'm not letting you go. Holy Spirit, come and anoint and anoint. If you're hungry for an anointing, stand up. I need um, I need some catcher guys to be ready. I need some catcher guys over here, over here, over here. If I bring somebody up, catch your guys, you need to move and get right behind them real quick. I need some catcher guys over here. Yeah. If I call you up, you don't have to come, but it's because I see something. Brother, come here. Right here. Bam. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Don't look around at you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Now you got it because she didn't come. Shoot. Where's my, oh. Now come on. Come on. Come on like you really want it. Come on like you really want it. Come on. Cool. Okay. Catchers, you got to be closer. Yeah, come on. No, don't be looking around. Come on. Come on like you expect something. Oh. Okay, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Bam. Good catch. Holy Spirit, come all over this room. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Yeah, behind that whole group. Catcher, catch. 
You got to be closer. Look at me. Look at me. Bam. <laughs> the, lady, the lady in green. The lady in green. Come on. Well, that's one person in green. That's not who I was calling. That's okay. You want it, you're hungry. You want it, you're hungry. Take it all. Just drink it in. Drink it in. I bless you. There you go. All the way in the back, in the gray. If you want it, come on. Holy Spirit, come. Relax. Don't fight it. There you go. Dano and Carol, y'all come come on up. I don't know. No. 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 Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Watch them behind. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Fire, fire, anointing. Jump in anytime you want. You too.
Angela. Angela. She's thinking, yeah, but I'm not manifesting. You don't have to. Close your eyes and relax. Forget about everybody else. Just take it. Healing anointing. Healing anointing. Healing anointing. Now, don't step back. That's why we got catchers. Just take it. Stop thinking. God's touching you. When you stepped back, you stopped the anointing. Yeah, yeah. Okay? But he's still touching you. He's still touching you. Stay with, stay with me. Come on. Come on. Just relax in it and take it all. Somebody go get behind those three. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah. Okay, we're going to need about um, oh, five or eight catchers to go with Dano, five or eight catchers to go with Carol, five or eight to go with me. Everybody else line up around the church. Um, and uh, we're going to lay hands on everybody who has not yet been prayed for. <laughs> whatever, I don't know what they said, but wh- whatever. Make sure... It, make sure that if you were to fall under the power of God, there's room for you that you're not falling on somebody and that there's room. Okay. Um, where's Brent? Organ- or- Come organize this. Can- she gets on my case if I try to organize it. Yeah. Yeah, just around. Okay, so... You know what? Okay. Okay. So you know what? Um, This is really simple. Line up against the outside of the wall. They're going to come around. If you if you do fall, that's fine. You can fall sideways. So try to have catches around you, but that way. You can just go up against the wall. Okay. Need some catchers to go with Dano, with me, with Carol, just in case. <laughs> 